0: Hello and welcome to this special edition of the CityWire Selector podcast with me, your host, Crystal Higgins. As part of this edition, I am joined by our head of ESG and cross-border researcher, Nisha Long, along with journalist and author of the book, The Authority Gap, mary Ann Seagart. both of whom discussed with me some of the key findings of CityWire's 2022 Alpha Female Report, as well as what areas within the asset management sector need to change most urgently if we are to achieve gender parity. Hello, Nisha and Marianne. Thank you so much for joining me for this special discussion on the seventh alpha female report uh, published by CityWire. Um, if you don't mind, Nisha, um, being as you are uh, a, p- a pioneering author um, of this uh, this report for the past seven years, um, it feels appropriate to start with the points that you, uh, in your editorial opening for the report published, um, Pointed to as um, the most startling results, if not a bit grim. I I, I think we can we can say. Um, so I'm going to open up with yeah the, the the growth last year, whilst previous years showed a bit of a glimmer of hope. Ho- uh, hope you have, and I have to say, fair play to you. Openly said that um, progress seems to have taken ground to basically a halt. Can you can you? Give me your initial thoughts on this. And can you also share the significance of this stagnation in gender parity, which I may add is the entire point of the report, is to show the progress of gender parity and its progression within the asset management sector. How significant is this?
1: It's very, very significant. Um, The headline of this year's report is progress towards gender parity stalls. And that stalling figure is the growth, even if I can call it growth, is just 0.2% on last year, um, which is, you know. You said it's statistically irrelevant. Exactly. And that's I stick with that, because if you think about 0.2%, it is nothing. So it has stalled. Um, Even last year, uh, we did have a bit of glimmer of light with you know the stats showing that it was a 0.8 percent increase even that you still have that decimal you know a zero before that decimal point it still wasn't fantastic but at least it was the highest that we would seen and that put parity at almost what 46 years for lot you know the couple of years ago and now we're back to around 190 years again you know around that 200 years mark to get gender parity and i think that's very significant in this report this year and in the last seven years, just 1.7 percentage points increase from 2016 to today. Um, was there any progress in the first place? That's the question I'm ask, you know, mm. asking myself now with such a tiny um, increase. It's, yeah, as I said, it's
0: appalling. And so bringing in Marianne, uh, Marianne who has um, authored the the book, The Authority, Authority Gap, Why Women Are Still taken less seriously than men and what we can do about it i would like to put forward a suggestion before i i, I ask you to give us your insights about what's going on under the hood of the asset management uh, gender parity struggle as we see it now um from what i can see obviously citywire we deal with data so it's it's you know uh, show not tell the asset management sector is the same in your book there's something that struck me in that women come across their you know the it was the senior director of the tate you know she said you know in the in tate modern i'm treated one way in normal life i'm treated like a a um, middle-aged woman what i personally find a bit confusing is in the asset management sector their peers know what their male male peers and female peers know what they're doing and also it is one of the most kpi backed Proof-driven industry is going. Your, you know, your returns don't lie. You can't hide behind anything. In your mind, bearing all these facts, what, what's your first take when you look at this sort of a stall in a, in a sector like the asset management sector?
2: I find it absolutely extraordinary because you haven't yet talked about the absolute figure, which is only twelve percent. So that means that 88% of people running money in the UK are men and only 12% are women. I was absolutely shocked to see such a low proportion of women in this industry. I mean, if you look at the Metropolitan Police, for instance, which you think of as a very male institution, they have more than twice as many women in the Met than the asset management industry has, and yet, as you say, it's very KPI led. I mean, it's it, it's incredibly easy to measure how well a woman is running money compared with how well a man is. It's not like something like I don't know investment banking or deal making, where it's slightly harder to measure the results. You can absolutely see if she's as good as a man, and yet they're just not being promoted in the same numbers.
0: Yeah, that is a that is a that is a sobering. So sobering uh, comparison that uh, yeah. Which brings us to another part which is an interesting point of view. So we can see what women are returning. We can see their figures for all the world to see. Uh, a Part of your synopsis and kind of one of your conclusions in the analysis uh, Nisha was how that women are given nichier sectors compared to their male counterparts who are given more mainstream sectors i'm really curious i I wouldn't mind thrashing this out a little bit what is the reason behind giving women niche sectors is this is this usual and also how does this impact their performance and and their future careers
1: no absolutely um so some of the sectors um that you know women are more predominant in are you know for example, in Asia, Asian equities. So you're looking at Asia Pacific, um, China, for example, but also the smaller sectors uh, such as consumer discretionary or um, consumer staples. Now, they're very niche sectors. And as anyone knows in the asset management industry and in investments, they are very much, you know, a cyclical um, story for those sectors so you won't have that maybe as a long-term buy and hold in a strategy um so women being given these strategies it just shows in my opinion is it a trust thing you know do they trust the women with managing these assets um you know is it a token gesture of giving these funds to women uh, prove, for your, prove
0: yourself um, before you're part yeah, of yeah the... absolutely okay. and it is you know and my res-
1: you know, research has shown that especially within a mixed team scenario, when the women are given these bigger strategies, it's quite often within a mixed team, so a mixed gender team. Um, and they do perform, you know, well together, there's that diversity of thought, you know, many people talk about, um, just being in a team as well has produced, you know, better risk adjusted returns. And if that is almost, you know, a proof that, you know, this kind of scenario, it does work. And even compared to a single managed funds by just a single gender, the returns are higher in a mixed team or teams in general. So I think that is something, you know, that I don't think the asset management industry is acting upon as much as I thought they would have done. Um, we have been tracking, you know, the number of and percentage of mixed teams, and it has gradually increased in our database, but not to the levels I would have thought, you know, this data this evidence-led research you would think you know would promote that and also getting more women to you know in those senior positions so that is quite a you know that's a story in itself
0: so what and it just and also this this ties so well into your point um speaks to your point Nisha and so far is that they have all this evidence-based data they have also what other industry are you more um you know, your um, returns are so important, and if all the facts and evidences are there, by doing these things and by implementing these things, um, and by driving gender parity forward, you know, I mean, you, you, I think we all have, have the answers whirling around in our head. You know, what's stopping people? It can only be, I'm just uh, from from my point of view, it can only be tired mental mental blocks. It can only be um, this idea. That women either have to prove themselves more or that women just aren't able for these big, you know, kind of mainstay important funds. Is, is, is that unfair to say from what we're looking at?
2: Women are twice as likely as men to say that they have to provide evidence of their competence and are much more likely than men to say that people are surprised at their abilities. And I think this is what lies at the root of the problem is this default assumption that women are somehow going to be less able and less competent than men, which is quite extraordinary when you see that girls outperform boys at every single educational level from kindergarten right through to PhD. You know, the evidence is there staring us in the face that women are every bit as intelligent as men and on average probably more hardworking and diligent. And Nisha has shown specifically in the asset management industry that women perform just as well as men in running money. And in fact, mixed gender teams perform the best of all. So you would have thought that these asset management companies would see that it's in their business interest to have every team be mixed gender, and yet the majority of them aren't. And I just don't understand why they're not following what's in their business interest.
0: This is the thank you thank you for yeah not following what's in their business interest. I part of um, I think the, the crooks when, when you say British parents I know this is British parents, but when asked to estimate their children's IQ will place their son at 115 and their daughter at 107 if
2: it's starting then you know it does start very young and actually this the same and and we all know that the IQ distribution is identical for boys and girls except at the very far ends of the bell curve. Uh, So their parents are thinking their sons are cleverer than their daughters, even though they're not. And the same study then asked adult men and women to estimate their own IQs. And adult men put them on average at 110 and adult women at only 105. And again, they should have been identical. And what this shows, I think, is overconfidence on the part of men and overestimation of their abilities And either, well, probably actually a more accurate estimation of the women's abilities, given that the average ought to have come out at 100. And this then translates itself into the world of work. So men will quite often overestimate their ability and sort of puff themselves up and tell their bosses how marvellous they are. And women mm. are less likely to do that. They're more likely to be either accurate or to underestimate their ability. But if, even if they did overestimate their ability, they wouldn't be allowed to puff themselves up and promote themselves to their bosses because people don't like women doing that. So men are allowed to yeah. self-promote. But if women self-promote, we tend to feel a sense of sort of disgust. We hate it. We can't bear women who big themselves up and so women are doubly handicapped first of all people underestimate them and secondly they can't even compensate for that by promoting themselves
0: and could this could this be part of what i think nisha you've pointed to as um the 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 talent pipeline being choked off so if we have seven if if improving gender parity has been as much as a focus as it has been which i believe it has been so what you're saying is we've got seven years of recruitment but they're not going past the analyst stage. Is this speaking to the wider point that Marianne has just spoke as just brought up in, in your mind?
1: Absolutely. When I first started this report, the onus was very much on the pipeline. And we have seen that at you know, the intake level. There is you know, that, that diversity. I see it as a pyramid. You, know, you have those, that diversity you know, at the entrance level. But what's happening as you're moving up that pyramid is that, that middle layer has been choked off. It's like how they're not filtering through. They're not coming through that pipeline or you know, ending up in those positions. So there's no, not much diversity as you go up that pyramid in an organisation. And I've seen that with many asset management firms. So my take on this is seven years, I've been hearing about the pipeline, talking to various people, that it is coming through. The one good thing is, it is coming through. But what's happening in the middle is, it, as you mentioned, it is being choked off somehow. They're not continuing, you know, from those analyst positions into fund management positions. And there's a reason for that. What And that, I think, really needs to be addressed. Um, to why, you know, at that stage, um, they're not progressing through. Is it, you know, certain benefits? Is it the what Marianne has said in her book as well? You know, are we listening to women? Are we cutting them off when they're speaking? Are they confident to bring their ideas to the table and not being talked over, for example? You know, in those essential business meetings that you have, especially within portfolio management, it's all about idea generation research before those stocks are put into your portfolio for example what is happening there you know how many of their ideas are filtering through do they have the confidence and even if they don't have the confidence i'm sure they've got evidence-based research to put in front of somebody to say this should be chosen for your portfolio etc but how often is that happening and unfortunately many of these people are probably thinking okay this is not for me I'm going to move somewhere else. You know, it is that. So unfortunately, we do have that as well, or choosing a different career, where this is very much, as Mariana said, and as you said, Crystal, very evidence-based. You can't hide from the numbers in portfolio management. This is this is, is there. Event. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, pushback I've had in the Alpha Female report as well. It's not my opinions. Yeah, you know, it's facts. Data-led. I can put it in front of someone and say, don't listen to me. If you don't want to listen to me, that's fine. But please look at the evidence I'm put in front of you.
2: I think you're so right, Nisha. It's all about promotion. And the first order problem uh, is that a study I found in, in writing my book was that 70% of men will evaluate a man more highly than a woman for achieving exactly the same goals. And that rises to 75% for men in senior positions. So even if a woman is achieving as much as a man she's less likely to be promoted if it's a man doing the promotion. And in this field, it more often is a man than a woman. But the second order problem is what you talked about, which is the sort of culture inside an organisation that leads to men being listened to more than women, women being interrupted and talked over more than men, women being patronised and underestimated. And every time this sort of thing happens to a woman in a meeting, it's bound to undermine her confidence. If she makes a point and no one takes the slightest bit of notice and 10 minutes later a man makes exactly the same point and is applauded for it, she's going to think, oh, gosh, it must have been my fault. You know, Perhaps I wasn't confident enough or I wasn't articulate enough. No, she was just too female. (laughs) Because all the academic research shows that women are listened to less, that they find it much harder to influence a group of people, even with exactly the same information as a man because they're not accorded the same authority as men. And this just accumulates, all this behaviour accumulates like compound interest to hold women back and to push men forward.
0: So women who have come past this analyst, or they're at the brink of pushing past the analyst level, they're damned for... Let's just say they're worn out for being spoken over. So they maybe are, they naturally are maybe putting ideas forward less. But you were saying that even a woman who only speaks for 30% of a conversation is thought to be dominating the entire conversation. So she's damned for being too quiet and she's damned for speaking for an, a nominal amount of time, but she's seen to be domineering the, the conversations.
2: We reward men who talk a lot. We tend to think that they're more competent if they talk a lot. But we punish women for doing exactly the same thing. So as you say, first of all, our perception of their speaking time is skewed. So if a man and a woman talk for exactly the same length of time, we think the woman has spoken more. And if, she does, if we do think she's spoken more, we think she is less competent Whereas for a man, we think he's more competent.
0: As in, a woman's a chatter; she's a chatterbox. What is she trying to prove by rattling on so much?
2: Exactly. And yeah. yes,
0: I suppose. And it's things, I suppose, you know, like me personally in the workplace. I've never heard a man being described as forward. You never hear a man being described as a bit pushy, isn't he? It's a bit forward. It's just the assumed. So are these? It's the behavioural. It's the behavioural perceptions that are working against these these women at this point in their... Absolutely.
2: So, you know, a man is confident and assertive and showing leadership skills. A woman displaying exactly the same character traits, which she has to do in order to be taken seriously, will often be described as abrasive, strident, aggressive, overbearing, bossy, even bitchy or ball-breaking, just for acting exactly the same way as a man would.
0: I wonder as well, I mean, looking looking to the other parts of the... Uh, the the report so we're looking at turnover retention which we've just talked about the choking off of the talent pipeline Um, the top four um, territories with more than 20% female managers have been revealed to be Taiwan Hong Kong Italy and Spain with Spain even booking the trend I suppose in terms of assets run by women with um, now I'm looking at my notes here the total assets run exclusively by female managers is 44. billion versus 40.4 billion for men I'm just wondering from you know looking at all the accumulative research from both both of you you know all the you know uh, alpha female reports and all of your research what's what's this telling us about um the influence of of various cultures here what, what what's kind of jumping out if, if anything from this from the
1: side of culture so if we're talking about Spain and Italy there is very much a culture of family orientated so when you look at child care for example you know the majority do have you know their family to look after their children you know when they go to work um, some of the Western world you know you don't have that privilege you know it is very much having to get the child care um, is it cost effective you know things like that and also in asia you have the same kind of culture there as well and um, very much family orientated but also having you know women at the forefront as well in you know their aspirations and um, from a young age as well from some of the research i've done on that but also a telling sign is and i think it's taiwan but where the males have to join the army you know at a certain age. So what happens there is that more, more women are coming through just naturally because of that ah, yes. dynamic changing at that you know age, and that's why they're going. You know they are progressing more in those. But even those percentages are still low. It's not you know high percentages at all. So you're looking at Hong Kong at twenty four percent, Taiwan twenty seven percent, which is you know the highest. Um, but even there, the women are given um, funds. One of the sectors which has the most female fund managers is equity Taiwan it's again a country specific niche sector that not everyone is going to put their pension money in so it is very much you know they're they're stopped before they can start in a sense because how are they going to gather those assets and if the market turns nobody wants to invest in a country like Taiwan what happens to them they lose their assets they you know and that's where the numbers are differing. It's not their fault. They you know, if they had a global equity fund, it'd be a very different story to tell, you know, where they can, you know, diversify their stocks within the portfolio. But if you have a niche sector, it's very much at the mercy of the markets and what it's doing at that time. So there's you know, you're hindered.
0: And even with the success of Taiwan, is it would be would it be unfair to say that it's almost a kind of um gender parity by necessity as opposed to sort of, you know, incredible attitude? because of the the army. Yes, yes.
1: So that does have quite a bit to play in that as well. We've talked about, you know, how females have been hindered, but also there is that need, as you've mentioned, that need for male allies as well, you know, to help you along that process. Can you just explain more, um, you know, how that can help?
2: Yes, because men on average are much more likely to listen to what other men say rather than other women It's actually quite a help for women to have male sponsors and mentors rather than female ones. Because if a more senior man in the firm is saying, oh, you know, I think Nisha is really good and we should be giving her her own money to run. The other men are more likely to listen to him than if a senior female, if there are any, says that. Because if a female says it, the men are likely to think, oh, well, she's just being nepotistic. But if a man says it, they're much more likely to listen to him. And therefore, you know, quite often women are given senior women as mentors, and that's not necessarily in their best interests. Mm. I also think male allies can really help to mitigate the behavior of other men. So suppose, Nisha, you're a research analyst and you make a point at a meeting and someone just starts talking over you or interrupting you. Your male ally can say, oh, hang on a minute. I was really interested in what Nisha was saying there. Or suppose you make a point at a meeting and no one takes any notice and then a man repeats it later and everyone applauds him for it. Your male ally can say, oh, I'm so glad you agree with what Nisha said earlier. So this sort of allyship can really draw attention to the sort of authority gap type behavior that I write about.
0: I loved a point that you made before as an interview I heard you where you're talking about the third of men who we know are allies and and and, you know, they already speak up and, you know, we really appreciate them. And then there's a third of men who don't realize they're doing it, it's out of habit. And then, you know, the the, the other third are look, they're misogynists and they're probably not gonna read your book. So if you can get the two thirds of those men together, then the that kind of the sexism will start to feel more marginalized and less normal in the same way that um the the the, the movement, the anti racism movement before, you know, if you could say something casually racist X amount of decades ago, you you can't really comfortably do that you know in, in most situations now um you and i just this, the 140 solutions at the end of your book if we could sort of if we could get maybe if you can try uh and, and sort of link some of them that you think would be best suited for everything that you're hearing about the asset management sector what what kind of what kind of you know from a starting point of some of the solutions you think would be best suited to to this kind of sector with its very unique issues
2: I think absolutely judge people on their evidence-based performance and not on a hunch. Don't say, oh, well, I think he'd make a very good fit for the team. Actually look at how well he is doing compared to his female colleagues and then decide who you're going to promote. Don't judge people on their confidence, but judge them on their competence, because the two absolutely aren't the same. And for all the reasons we've talked about, it's much easier for men to be confident than for women to be and you may find that a woman is super competent but just doesn't promote herself in the same way that a man does because as I said we don't allow her to do so so you know base base your hiring and promotion decisions on evidence and not on hunch about personality but there are other all sorts of things um, that I put in the in the last chapter of the book such as if you have any one woman on a selection panel you actually reduce the chances of hiring a female candidate because the men on the panel think, oh, we don't have to worry about all this diversity nonsense, she'll take care of that. And she thinks, if I recommend that we hire the woman, the men will think I'm just being nepotistic. And so you actually reduce the chances. You need more than one woman on a selection panel. You also need more than one woman on any shortlist, because if you have, say, one woman and five men on a short list, she is incredibly unlikely to be hired because subliminally what you're suggesting to the recruiters is that men are five times better than women at this job. So there's there are all sorts of small tweaks that you can make to your recruitment and promotion uh, processes to make it fairer for women. Also think about how you're evaluating a woman. So For women, if you look at um, letters of recommendation or, uh, you know, yearly evaluations, they're much more likely to use what are called the grindstone adjectives, hardworking, diligent, conscientious, and men are much more likely to get outstanding, talented and brilliant. Now, there's no reason to suppose that women are any less outstanding, talented or brilliant than men, but we just don't put them in that category. Why not? Because of our unconscious bias. It seems to be just that that oomph from one level of analyst to getting to the next stage in their their career. One really simple thing that these businesses can do is to get their female employees into a room without any men, promise them anonymity, and ask them to tell their stories about the culture in that organisation. Do they get underestimated? Do they get talked over and interrupted? Do they find their views are being ignored? And then collate these stories and take them to senior management and say, "This is the culture we have now. Surely we want it to change because why are women leaving this business? It's because the culture is so stacked against them."
0: But listen to women actually believe their stories, which maybe so yep. is not happening. Nisha, you were you were gonna you were gonna mention something before.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, the, so one point in the solutions that you do offer and it really struck a chord because I have seen it within the asset management industry and seems to be working is about recruiting returners. Um so you've put, you know, women who have taken time out of the labour force because of caring responsibilities and are either not employed or working in jobs for which they are overqualified. They are a huge source of talent for employers. And we've seen that with some companies already in the asset management industry who do have these returner programmes and which have been very successful. And I think that pipeline, which was almost diminished, may be a way of bringing those people back into the workforce that, you know, we've lost. And I think, you know, having that as one of your solutions, and there is evidence of that working within asset management as well. I'm not sure if you've seen that with other industries and the impact it can make.
2: Oh, well, particularly in such a tight labour market where it's very hard to recruit. As you say, this is a huge source, you know, huge pool of potential talent that is going to waste at the moment, yeah.
0: As the asset management sector, how does it fare with? And I feel I I, I suspect I know, but I mean, I, what is the what is the feedback from working mothers? What's what what's their life like? You know, as a as a as a kind of say like a high high. Um, what's a AAA Citywire rated fund manager's life like as a as a working mother? What how 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 has the sector? How far has the sector got to go to make that balance work?
1: I think it still has quite a long way to go. Um, there was this thing about the COVID pandemic because of the flexibility of working that that might help, you know, women with their childcare, you know, for example, coming back to work. But what actually happened was the hindrance that they were still looking after their children and working at the same time. um, So that, you know, didn't quite, you know, play out as we would have expected, especially with flexibility. And I think we are seeing that now, but there is quite a lot of companies who are expecting the workforce to come back into the office. You know, so that is, you know, are we losing that flexibility that we did see? And I think that's still quite the issue as well about flexibility. Um, And it can be seen in the fund management industry that, there isn't any flexibility but what they've proven over you know the last course of two three years is that it has worked nobody stopped managing funds during lockdowns you know that was still happening that process was still happening and returns were you know phenomenal in 2020 in some cases so I think that evidence-led based information and you know I'm quite surprised that I have to say that it has to be evidence-based because At the end of the day, it's still, you know, men, women treat them equally, you know, in their workplace, but it's still having that evidence, but the evidence is there. It has worked. So that flexibility should be there um, for them as well. So I think there's still a lot of work to do. And with the percentages we're seeing and that tiny increment change, it's, yeah, a very long way to go.
2: And yet you would think that asset management was one of the sectors that would be easier for working mothers, you know it's not like working in m a say where you know you might have sort of twenty hour days and working all weekend, you know as 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 long as you know as long as you're working say in Western European markets, you know you you ought to be able to work a reasonably sensible day in asset management,
0: but yes, there was actually I think of oh, the there was a times article they picked up the the alpha um the data from from the from the report saying that. The, yeah the asset management sector should be is one of the least blokey or macho um, but yes the the, the the figures are still pretty pretty woeful I suppose when it comes to this kind of this this area. If there is one positive either of you got from the report can, can you I know just just <laughs> if theres one positive is it there is it the, the the rise of mixed mixed gender teams? And if so, is this a big win? Is is this is this is this a, something that is um, picking up speed at um, incredible velocity and and giving you hope, <laughs> or is it just kind of crawling along?
1: It's given me a tiny bit of hope, and I say tiny because the percentage of mixed teens also only rose by 0.2 percent. Um, but it is, you know, it has almost doubled since 2016. So it was at 6.7 percent, and it has gone to 12 percent. Um, you know, in 2020, but still, you know, that rise is is significant, you know, that we have moved that way. But the fact that everything seems to be stalling at the moment, even with that mixed teams um, scenario. And also one of the important points of the report this year is that we looked at fund launches. Now that is a, you know, really opportunistic point of getting more female fund managers running funds. Just 10% of those new launches in the last year we're giving to women but that's even within a mixed team so 90 percent given to men it's just you know how does that make sense if that talent pipeline is truly coming through why just 10 percent? why such a small number of new launches is it, is it you 562
0: sorry if we just mentioned this yeah 562 yes. new front launches in the past 12 months yes. um with only
1: 56 given to women you know Either single managed or within a mixed
0: team. So that just shows What does that say? Yeah. You know. What does that say? Because that is a startlingly low number. Marianne, what what you know, so ten ten percent of over five hundred new funds. What is it about a new project that makes a man think this must go to
2: Bob and not Brenda? Sorry, the the most awful go to names, but go, go on. <laughs> It's just really depressing It just because, you know, if you're doing a new launch, it's something you're going to put lots of marketing behind that you've got a lot of confidence in. And if you only feel you can give it to men, I mean, what does that say about attitudes within the industry? I just I I find this whole report really shocking and really retrograde. Uh, I mean, it must be one of the worst industries for women in the world. And I think
0: that is one of the taglines for an article we'll be writing following this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Yeah it's interesting to hear you say it in such stark terms it's so yeah and from all of the research that you have done in for, for, for the authority gap in all of the areas of working life you know that you've looked at would you actually rank the gender parity in the asset management sector as one of the worst you've seen in the world?
2: Yeah I mean 88 to 12 yeah. is just shocking.
0: Goodness a, a, a moment of pause for, for for that one and if you know and and maybe to before I let you both go and I just want to say thank you again so much for for your time just to, to, to both of you if you could see one thing change um you can answer this in how, however however way you like if you could see one area of that um report change next year what what would you really need it to be to give you some kind of semblance of hope and maybe this would be good for you uh, Marianne if there is one key thing that a hiring manager or um you know a a, the the person who is in charge of divvying out these these funds to people what is the one thing if you could kind of give them a pitch about this is what you can implement today or this is what you can implement in the, the short to medium term to elevate the women in in your in your firm what would it be so do you know i'll start with nisha what are you what do you need to see to change what is vital to see change in next year's report
1: i think it has to be the focus on middle mad- middle management for example is um, you know who are given those new funds to manage they are the decision makers so it's, um, changing that perception of those decision makers as to why is there an unconscious bias there Do they need some training? Perhaps, I mean, that's one solution. Training doesn't work for everyone. But it is just, you know, ousting those kind of, um, you know, the cultures which are existing at the moment. You know, how are people seeing that? Get somebody from outside to look inside to see, you know, where everything is stopping, um, you know, for that progression to happen. And I think we have concentrated a lot on the pipeline. But I think now is the time to start looking at that middle level, you know, Those decision makers who can really progress your career, who are your allies, you know, for female fund managers and analysts to bring them through that progression and on that ladder, on that journey with them to help them progress to that level. And I'm hoping to see more fund launches next year being given to this female talent and that talent is definitely out there. We've seen those AAA rated managers and those up and coming managers who are rated statewide rated. Give them funds to manage.
0: Well put. Marianne, you're in a boardroom, you've got a captive audience. That audience is a, a, a very senior manager and you've got you've you've got a few seconds to to tell this person how to change their ways in order to make this make the twenty twenty-three report less grim reading. What what would you say to that person in that position today?
2: I, I would agree with Nisha. I would say get the data, use the evidence. Uh, if the data is telling you that women are every bit as good as men at running money and they're not being promoted as fast, then do something about it. Promote them as fast. Give them the launches. You know, I would love next year to see 50% of launches run by women launch funds and 50% run by men, given that they are equally competent (laughs) in looking after, you know, in in investing money. It should be 50-50, not 90-10
0: wise words and on that note and actually before I go if, if I would love it if we let's let's hope let's hope we're not talking about 10 percent. let's hope for a, a cheerier 2023 Alpha female uh report roundup but uh Marianne Nisha thank you so much for your time um and have a have a great day thank you